Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. And the horror virgin's not here, David. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Because technically, we are re- recording this on his birthday weekend, which technically it's also Freddy's birthday weekend, but Freddy celebrates his birthday weekend the following weekend. So <laughs> my birthday follows uh, it's on a Wednesday. That's so right. It kind of fits in the middle. That does. That you does. Know, I'll have two birthday weekends. I'll you should. Exactly. Yeah. Go hard this weekend, my friend. Go hard. And yeah, next weekend. <laughs> and next weekend. Exactly. But we are still a group of nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror and happy birthday, David and Freddy. Even though these episodes aren't releasing on their birthdays, but that's fine. Uh, but this is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's like with the what? Okay. By pleasure on Patreon, you have access to the show ad free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Hmm. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Who would have known? But kicking things or keeping things going, excuse me, with our Mother's Day month, which is also kind of weird to say, I should say Mother's Horror Month, but coined, I'm sorry, Mama. I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. Too. I love it so much. But we are keeping things going with Mama. First and foremost, ready thoughts. Okay. So I've seen this movie when it first came out in theaters, 2013. That's a small lad. Not that small, but eight years saying, ago. <laughs> Not that bad. Uh, when I was about 21, 22 years old. You like barely graduating college, maybe? Yeah. It, but I have to say, this movie scared the shit out of me back then. <laughs> it still kind of scares the shit out of me it's right now. It's scary. Yeah. Um, I think this movie is fantastic. I actually adore this movie. I love this movie. Well, that's awesome. Um, obviously, we have some great talent behind the camera as Fair well. Enough. Fair enough. Um, Obviously, this is like the up and coming of Andy Machete. Yeah. And, and we Barbara. have Guillermo del Toro in the background, too, Which is with wild. the creative mind. Wild to think Mama. about. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And it's told like a fairy tale, like a folklore, and it has paranormal activity attached to it, too. So it kind of meshes two different types of genre that I'm a really big fan of. Yeah. And Mama, the character itself, is kind of fleshed out and actually has a really good backstory. Fantastic. And has emotion towards what she is doing and purpose yeah. is driven in this movie a yeah. lot. And we see a lot of the characters have purpose within it, too. Um, Jessica Chastain, too, pretty young in this movie. And we see her in a very different world than we see her nowadays, which true. is great because I think she absolutely kills it in this. She nails and this role. I do have to give a huge shout out. I can't pronounce his last name, but Javier Bote. Javier Bote. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he is an incredible person to play the character as Mama, and they use really practical effects for the most He's part. Great. Except for the hair. He's great. That's yeah. true. But yeah, he he is so fantastic. I love Javier. Like he also I've the first time I've actually seen him without all the makeup and such was in a movie called Thirty Two Mansala Street. Mm. On uh that's on Shutter right now if you want to check that one out. But it's it's based in Spain. But he's like the building manager and he's he's just normal. And I was like, what the that's what? That's Javier. That's him. Like what the hell? Like, I know him. It's kind of like because him 
because you get you get the heavy hitters with the very lanky contortion style body. Yes. Doug Jones, Javier Bote. Like those are the main ones that like you know you're gonna get some fantastic movements from these guys. <laughs> the way he moves his body is like really unreal. Incredible. And it makes perfect sense of why he was casted in this. Yeah, he's casted in most of his stuff too. Like I I think like even Doug Jones, like Doug Jones was in uh Pan's Labyrinth and Javier yeah. Bote was in Pan's Labyrinth as well, I believe. But um yeah, it, it, anyway, besides the point, like yes, I agree with you. I think this movie is a lot of fun. Like this movie is just it's really good. I like this yes. movie a lot. I really, really like this movie. I was, I was um, talking to my wife uh, recently about it where um, I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm watching Mama. She's like, oh, I remember that movie. That was a good movie. That, we, went all, we went to see that movie as a date <laughs> um, when we were two little, little lovebirds in, in college. But um, yeah, like that movie was just so much. It, this movie is just so much fun. And like it's you. Good word for it. You see a lot of fantastic scares and a lot of intricacy behind the scares as well. Some that are corny, I will admit, like some jump scares are very lame in this, but that's just, that's just how Andreas Muschietti works. Right. And 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 honestly, I think I'm saying his name wrong. I think it's Muschietti. Muschietti. I think yeah, it's Muschietti. Probably. But uh, I don't know. You're Italian. You would, I was about to say, he's like, he's Italian. Yeah. Muschietti. But although, well, although he's not Muschietti. Italian, he's, he's Argentine. But still. No. <laughs> but um, him and Barbara just have such an interesting vision. And I, I actually yeah. listened to her talk about this movie and how they were, uh, how they approached Guillermo del Toro and, and, and how he got his eyes on it and things like that. And then they just had such a fascinating childhood because they were surrounded by books. And you can tell that this movie plays like a book. It does. And it's so good. They have uh, such a creative mind in how to build a story around the character itself, yeah. which is the antagonist, right? rather than re- having a story re- uh, revolving around the protagonist, which they still do. And I think it just blends both storylines really well together. Yeah. Because you see like the mom's like, oh, I don't really want to be a mom, but I'm going to grow into loving these girls, yeah. having a relationship with them, and seeing a different side of me. It's like, oh, yeah, I do care about other stuff that's not like inflicting my life now it's like i see them as a burden this is not my job she says that a lot in the in the movie and i'm talking about annabelle's character yeah and then we see mama which is a very possessive mother and i feel like everyone has or knows a possessive mother it could be like a friend of a friend or your mom mom. could be your mom (laughs) but we we all know a mom like this and it's really cool to see the contrast between the relationships between the little girls and the two mothers that we see. I agree. Essentially. Yeah, I agree. And, and we see it grow and develop as well, which is yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And, and I, I love seeing that as for like Victoria and, um, and even Lily, cause Lily, that's all she kind of knows. Right. Like, yeah. but Victoria, she, she, she had a life cause she was pretty much Lily's age now when she was pretty much dropped off there right um which we'll get to but uh it, it's such a fascinating tale in general though and i love the way you put it i love the, the way you said it where it plays like a fairy tale yeah i i, I love that because it, it does it it, it kind of plays like like um like Hansel and Gretel in a way, and it, and it yeah. just feels and, very phantasmal like that. And we'll talk about it about the opening title sequence and stuff like that. It shows kind of like 
the drawings and the music reminded me of like Coraline in a way too, which yeah. is mostly like a fairy tale in its own. Even the too. music kind of is, is very similar to Coraline yeah, too. In a lot of parts. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of dug that. I was like, cool. I love Coraline. I yeah. love this type of music. And then yeah, makes it feel go like. Go listen to our two hour episode of it. Yeah. More than two hours, like two and a half hours. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think it's two and a half hours. We talked about uh, Coraline for two and a half hours. Coraline, great movie. So it's, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I I absolutely adore this movie. Can't wait to talk about it. And yeah. yeah. Well, let's jump right into it then. Let's do it. Mama, directed by Andreas Muschietti, released January 18th of 2013, which January is usually yeah. where films go to die. For real. <laughs> I was surprised when you just said that. Yeah. yeah. A runtime of one hour and 40 minutes with a budget of $15 million, but a box office, a whopping box office. And this is exactly how we got this fucking contract to make it chapter one and two. $146.4 million. Whoa, that's huge. Off of a $15 million budget with an original story. That is unheard of. That's incredible. For a horror movie too. Exactly. In January. In January. Not even like during October season. No, wow. like that's, that's that's incredible. Good for him. With a rating of sixty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, eh. can't win them all. <laughs> I mean, he made the money. He's just like, well, yeah. uh, we open with Once Upon a Time being crudely etched on the screen while a man is talking about horrific events. Fade to a car stopped on the curve with a with the door open. The man on the radio continues breaking the news about two people, Laura Mahler and Albert Bernard, uh, who were shot. Laura dying and Albert in critical condition. He continues that another senior partner, Jeffrey Desange, is missing. There, There is a gunshot that rings out. We jump to a little girl, Victoria, who stops playing in her room from the violent commotion. Her dad, Jeffrey, opens her door, telling her that they have to they have to leave while grabbing his daughter his other daughter Lily. She asks about her mom taking her to school, but he tells her that she isn't feeling well, and he frantically takes her he frantically takes her hand so they can leave. What a fucked up opening! Yeah, like it, it, it's we don't see any of this going down, right. but like just the concept of like whoa. Yeah, it's the exposition of like we're telling you exactly what happened without showing you, without showing you, and and to me that's more terrifying. Yeah, because it's it's kind of like it's kind of like that saying in Summer of '84 where uh, the the husband in Summer of '84 is like that's why they built curtains to keep keep people's lives private. Like, yeah. and, and it it very much makes sense. It felt like we weren't supposed to see that. Yeah, but we heard it. What a great opener, though. What a great opener. Got to Jeffrey going fast and furious through <laughs> through the snowy roads, and he was just like Vin Diesel and that shit. His daughter asking her, oh, where are they going? With tears, he tells her um, that he doesn't know and continues to top speed. He pulls out an empty bottle of pills, throwing them down, Victoria commenting about his speed. So obviously in that process, we probably can assume that he was trying to kill himself with those pills. Yeah. She is about to tell him again, him yelling for her to shut up and spinning out of the uh, sp- spinning off the ledge. That's CG, though. We jump to the cops outside of the Jeffrey's house, his brother Lucas barging his way onto a crime scene. A cop tells him to get back. Lucas explains himself, asking about his brother. He realizes, uh, then asks if the girls are okay, but the cop stops him and he and um, tells him to wait there. Meanwhile, Jeff is walking with his daughters in the snow, comforting them as he continues moving. They make it to a 
they make it to a dark cabin that doesn't look quite right. He nervously moves forward, reading the name Helvetia on the side of the house. He goes inside, Victoria watching him open the door. Something swiftly moves past the window, catching Victoria's attention. Jeff's, Jeff opens the door, demanding for his daughter to grab his hand. She comments that there is someone inside, but he demands her anyway. Inside the house, looking around to a quick jump scare, to Jeff breaking a chair to use his firewood. This is a great jump scare, though. Yeah, it's a great use of tension. Of Fantastic. Like, okay, there's someone in the house. Yeah. Be scared? Nope. There's a misdirection. He's just breaking wood. Nothing's <laughs> so there So good. Yeah. So good. I love that one. Um, he d- his, uh, his daughter continues to sit on the couch while he goes into the kitchen. Victoria heads over to the window as Jeff breaks down crying in the in the hallway. Victoria, sh- uh, uh, Victoria shouts that there is a woman outside not touching the ground, which, wow. That is one of my favorite lines in this movie. Like it's so the way, descriptive. Oh my god! That you don't see it, and it's yes. just a little girl's like, "Dad, there's a woman outside. Her feet's not touching the ground." And so you can kind of visualize that. Chilling. Yeah. So chilling. Like, I don't remember what I thought when I first watched this, but I could assume that I I wouldn't piece it as being paranormal right away. Like sure. it could yeah. be like the fact because we know she has bad eyesight, right? So what if someone hung themselves outside, right? So it's just like, oh, right? Wow. Yeah, that's what that's I'm saying. Too. Like, exactly. So it's just, it, it's it's interesting. It's super interesting. He continues to cry with a gun in his hand. Jeff comes back into the room, gun in hand, Victoria asking why is he crying. He explains that he is sad, sharing that, mom, that moms and dads try real hard and sometimes they mess up. He continues to take her glasses off while telling her that he loves her. Then locks. Then looks down at his gun. She asks, um, "What is it?" He sobs, kissing her. Then lies that it is a deer outside. He slowly lifts the gun. Then something grabs him. The camera in Victoria's gaze. Everything blurry, but we can see that the, that the thing is floating with clicking screeches as it snaps Jeffrey's body. Oh my god! <laughs> the brutality. Oh my. God. God, the thing floats out of the room, Victoria calling for him as she walks to to the open front door, which is genius. She just takes him away. Fade to the the two girls sitting in front of the fire, hearing creaking noises all around them. They look into the darkness. A cherry rolled to them, clicks, gurgles, and snarls in the dark from a floating woman with a creature. uh, Excuse me, a floating woman like a floating woman like creature staring at them. Cue the title sequence and all these drawn pictures that look fucking scary. Little children's drawings are terrifying. Yes, especially like it's like little kids crawling on the ground and stuff like that. And like the heads are like sideways and you're like, what the hell is going on? I can't wait till Ellie starts drawing gnarly shit. You're just like walking and it's like, this is my fault. This is why I watch horror movies around you. And this is... This is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, but, I yeah, love it. <laughs> this is like a really good title sequence where it's showing the jump of time and what the story is progressing with. It's like, cool. She was taking care of them. They were out in the wilderness. They were learning how to survive. Yeah. Uh, they were even killing animals. I think it was in one of the pictures. I'm like, yeah, it looked like she demented, like, but it looked like she ate a rabbit or yeah. something. Yeah. And then it's crazy that we see a little bit more visuals later on. It's like how long they've been there and, Kind of like the trash they leave on the ground and stuff like that, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, but I, I thought this title sequence was a really cool effect. Title sequence is actually pretty cool. I, I also very much enjoy the title sequence as well. Um, we 
we fade to five years later. Lucas working on his computer and getting a phone call from a man named Bernie's or Bernsey. Bernsey. What a name. Bernsey. <laughs> he asked Bernsey, uh, where are they looking? Bernsey giving off the coordinates. I just like saying Bernsey. Lucas confirms Bernsey interrupting him about his payment not cle- not clearing. Meanwhile, his girlfriend Annabelle is anxiously in the bathroom checking a pregnancy test that comes back negative. And I love that. I love that whole context of her like freaking out. She really does not want to be a parent right now. And <laughs> Great like, contrast of what's about to happen. Exactly. And, and what makes it even more beautiful uh, well, actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. She thanks God, then eagerly comes out of the bathroom with a bowl of cereal, and she's just like, she's chilling now. She's like, I ain't pregnant, bitch. Like, <laughs> she confirms um, who Lucas was talking to, her cracking a joke. Lucas falls onto the bed, telling her about the check, um, about the check not clearing. She hops on top of him, kissing him, and it's just like, bro, you just took that test. <laughs> Cut to Bernsey and Ron sitting and drinking in the woods. Ron goes to a, to a tree to pee. While doing so, he calls for Bernsey to look at something. And I love him. He's like, Bernsey? Bernsey, come look at this. And he just, it's just like, no, you're, you're peeing. <laughs> what do you want me to look at? Um, they find Jeff's car crash on the tree. Bernsey has his bloodhound sniff a stuffed animal. And they are on their way. He leads the two men to the cabin where Bernsey approaches with caution. He opens the door, calling out to the dark home. He goes inside without hearing a response back, noticing a, noticing little kid drawings on the wall. He points his flashlight around, his attention motioned towards a rustling in the kitchen. He goes inside to take a look, um, picking at a pile of cherry pits on yeah. the ground. Behind him, one of the little girls. Wow. And that's such a clever way of like how long they've been there and what they've been eating. And you just see a bunch of cherry pits and the way they revealed a girl freaky as fuck. It is. Holy hell. Crawling. Yeah. Was the most genius thing he could have thought of. Yes. Like that made this 10 times better. It's so quick. It's super quick. So quick. So quick. And and the, the beautiful thing is like. And for for avid listeners of Nightlight Horror Movie Podcast, you, you may know my love of a particular scene in Jennifer's body where she's sitting on top of the couch yeah. um, behind the jock. I forgot his name. but um, And it's like she looks all demonic or whatever. That's how these little kids are sitting. Yeah. And it's, it's a very so like good. primal stance. So primal. And, yeah. and like the feralness behind these children. Is something oh, way, to marvel over. It, it's a crazy visual because they're doing that and they're like swaying as yes. well. Their body's like swaying side to side. Yes. And it's just like, can you it's stop? It's jarring. It's just, it's ugh. so jarring and it's scary. Yes. It's if I saw scary. that, I was like, I, you can stay here. I'm good. <laughs> okay, we found well, you. you. I'll are. let someone know. <laughs> you, looks like you've been here for five years. You're not going to go anywhere. Uh, cool. <laughs> going to walk back. <laughs> Please stay here and do not follow us. <laughs> do not follow us. Yo, if they started following me, oh, man, I would start running. <laughs> that was so good. Ron comes inside looking at the stairwell uh, before walking inside the living room. One of the little girls quickly crawls down the stairs on all fours. Oh, that alone, just like the way she does it, she looks like an animal. Yeah. Like she looks just like an animal. Not a friendly one, too. No, not a friendly no. one. Like... Just to put it in context for everybody, like their skin is just dirt. Yeah. It's dirt just covered dirty. all over their the place. Their hair is matted and like they, it, it looks pretty insane. Yeah. Like it, it's quite the insane, uh, the, the look aspect behind these kids are perfect. 
perfect. Yeah, the costume design is great. So people behind it, great job for oh, scaring the shit out of me. So, Early on. So good. He looks back, Ron calling to him. Bernsey rolls his eyes while the girl skillfully and quietly moves on top of the fridge in a crouching position. The girl snarls as she quickly moves towards Ron, scaring, scaring and forcing him to move all the way back towards the kitchen. The girls sink up on the fridge. Victoria crouched above Lily stationed underneath her legs in this moment when how she crawls up and just perfectly Fits goes right under. underneath her legs and they're both in sync with the sway. Yeah. Fuck. Wow. Like that it is a well written scene. Mind, how well yeah. that scene is. Wow. The uh, the men both stare at the girls. Ron asking if they can call Lucas now because uh, he asked him a couple of times when they first saw the car, can we call Lucas now? And then like this time seeing the girls like, can we call Lucas now? <laughs> Cut to Annabelle practicing with her band. Luke is bursting into the room to tell her that they found the girls alive. The cu- uh, the couple meet with Doctor Dreyfus, introducing themselves to introducing themselves to them. As he warns them that this won't be easy, they move into an observation room. Dreyfus sharing their uh, f- their fortunes of Victoria having much of her vocabulary. Annabelle cuts him off, asking about Lily. He opens the blinds to the room. Lily on the ground, snarling, and she rapidly moves her hands on the ground. And it looks interesting. Like the only way I can explain it is when you see monkeys like cleaning off other monkeys. Yeah, no, it's a good uh. Yeah, example. like she's like, and she's just doing that on the floor. Yeah. yeah, it's very intriguing. Victoria moving quickly towards the window, snarling at them, scared the shit out of me. Like, it, it got me again this time. I was like, you bitch. Dreyfus <laughs> hands Lucas her glasses before, uh, before him heading inside the room. He goes inside the room, greeting Victoria, the girls immediately moving um, underneath the bed to hide from him. Lucas calls to Lily as he slowly tries to console them and show that he isn't a threat. Victoria hits him in hits him to stay back. He backs off, then pulls out pulls out the glasses, explaining that she um used to have them. He carefully places the glasses on the bed, Victoria cautiously taking them and inspecting them. She puts them on, looking at her hands, then at Lucas. She calls out to him as daddy. This broke my heart. Yeah, so to put it in context, Lucas and Jeffrey are twins. Yes. Played by the same actor, obviously. Yes. And it's one Which of the I things can never where... say his name. Is it Nick? Nicolas Coster Waldo. Waldo? Yeah, Waldo. Um, he does a great job in this movie too. He's yeah. a pretty strong actor. It's interesting because he's not very much in it, and I can assume right. it's because of Game of Thrones. Oh, that's right. So he's the Lannister. He's the Lannister, exactly. That's where I know him from. Yeah, he's um, also Joel. In oh no, he's not. A lot of people wanted him to be Joel. Gotcha. In the Last of Us, that everybody wanted him to be Joel. That would have been awesome. What Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal? That's Pedro great Pascal. casting too. So fantastic. I'm happy with fantastic. that. I'm, I'm stoked with that. I'm stoked uh, with both of these choices. Yeah. Oh, even the little girl. <laughs> yeah, <too>. Ramsey. <laughs> um, particular in this scene, it's kind of tough for them to trust him, just because last time they saw someone that looked exactly like him was their father, who kind of tried to kill him. Yeah, but they don't know that. You don't think? I don't know. I feel like. Maybe I don't who plays th- that Victoria? I think she knows. I don't think so. Because like she when she said daddy, like she looked like oh She's my god, like that's you came my back. Dad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like I, I don't I don't think she knows. Yeah. yeah. Lucas corrects her that he is her uncle. She moves closer to him, rubbing his face and calling him dad. 
before embracing uh, for, before embracing him with a hug. And at that point, like she was right. That's her dad. Like, you know, like he's going to take care of her kind of thing. Like yes. she she knew that at that moment. That's another thing. I love the perils with this. Uh, this dad being Lucas is kind of like the contradictory of Jeffrey who tried to kill them and yeah. being like that loving mother uh, father figure. And then we have Annabelle who becomes that loving mother figure and having mama being the person that kind of wants to kill them. And well, kinda- she she. I think she loves them, but we'll, we'll get she, to, we'll, yeah, we'll get she to does. this. We'll, we'll 100% get to she does. Yeah, we'll definitely get not to that. Right <laughs> That's true. Uh, cut to Dreyfus and company speaking their case to allow the girls to stay with Lucas to a to a uh, to a judge. Excuse me, I was like, I put fudge. <laughs> the judge asked uh, about. The, can you imagine, like speaking to. <laughs> Speak to this fudge. We'll decide our future. I feel like there's a there's a cartoon that has this. Like that has a fudge fudge? as a judge. I don't know what cartoon this is that I'm thinking of. So if you guys remember, please tweet me about it of what I'm talking about. There's a fudge that's a judge and he's like smooth and suave and shit. And I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) what it is. I have no (laughs) idea what it is. But if you know what it is, tweet me at the head night. That's not with a guy. Cousin Dreyfus and company speaking to. Oh, I read that already. The judge asks about their their progress. Dreyfus tells them that it is it is solid and fast. He plays a video of the girls' night vision showing that Victoria is asleep while Lily is kneeled in the corner staring at the camera. Oh my fucking god. My god. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I had old meals. Dreyfus shares the stated that the girls were found. Um, the video still showing the girls in- interacting as he continues. He states that the girls created an imaginary guardian in order to survive, continuing to say it was like a parent figure and them calling her mama. He tells the judge that Victoria and Lily have a chance to a normal life in the right care and love and affection. The judge calls for, for Jean Pl- Podolsky to address the court. She greets the judge, then shares, then uh, reminds the court that Jeffrey c- killed her niece and abandoned his daughters. She continues to compl- um, to compliment Lucas on his efforts, just to break his ass down by insulting his financial situation, not being ample enough for the girls. Lucas interrupts her, asking how many kids has he raised or has she raised, and she has the best clap back. She's like, about the same as many as you. <laughs> I was like, mm, fuck. Fair point. Got him. Sheesh. Um, Annabelle takes his hand to try to calm him. Uh, Lucas, Dr- Lucas, Dreyfus, and Annabelle are discussing Jean's wants of the children. Lucas doesn't agree on the children being hers to take. Dreyfus disagreeing. Dreyfus insults both of their financial and living situations, asking if they have a room for ch- for a child um, or for children. He continues telling Lucas and Annabelle that he agrees that everything is Jean's favor, is in Jean's favor, but he doesn't want the girls to move across the country because he wants to fucking study them. He's yeah. like, oh, I got the face of a century. He's very. Uh, He's kind of a sleaze. A sleaze in the way, but he keeps it real too. He's yes. like, hey, this is your situation. See, it doesn't look too good, but you know what? Let can, me help. We can you. help each other out, right? Yeah. Let yeah. me scratch your back if you scratch my back, kind of thing. Which we'll talk about his storyline too, because I, that's my only gripe with this movie, to be honest. Fair enough. But we'll talk about it. So, one question that I do have: um, Do you think they th- assume that Jeffrey is still missing? I don't think so. You think they know that he's dead? Because because oh, you know what Jean says is that he, she said it like he just abandoned them. That's true. 
Because they never really do discover his they, body. It, right, and they never bring it up ever again. Yeah. There's a lot of... That was my only gripe with this movie. Is this that, movie. like, they don't... They close the story for him for the audience, but they don't for... Uh, the main Luke, characters. You're right, for yeah. Lucas. I mean... In the realistic world, that could be a possibility too. So, well, sure, to but go, I would but. have loved like still reports or him trying to still look for his brother now that he found his daughters. Because right. like, because the only thing we get later on is kind of like a vision or a dream sequence, right? Which is his... a fucking rad. It's like the ring. Yeah, <laughs> maybe another grape, but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, wait. He bargains with Lucas that he wants to continue access to, to the girls if they want them. He hands them a picture of a house that is rent free that is um a used for that is used for case studies. Wow, that house was nice too. It's beautiful. They think he is joking, but he's serious. Cut to them being bombarded with press taking pictures and asking questions. Gene comes up to him while the press are doing all of this right next to them, taking pictures and listening to their conversation fully. <laughs> Calling him a slur for his actions, adding that she wants to see them. He insists that she will be able to see them because she has... Uh, visitor rights, but they just need a little space right now. Gene just walks off. Fate to Dreyfus recording his analysis of Victoria's recovery but claims that she is repressing her memories of being in the wilderness. Victoria is in a chair, Dreyfus hypnotizing her, asking for her to recall the events of the woods. Do you know who Victoria is? No. She is uh, the one who <laughs> she's Greta in it chapter one the one who pours all the sludge on top of beverly oh no way that's her wow she grew up to be a little shit (laughs) yeah i was just like why does she look so familiar to me interesting (laughs) that's it yeah she's (laughs) what is it greta am i a little shit or am i a whore She tells the story of a woman who ran away from a hospital, continuing that she took her baby and jumped into the water, claiming that she showed her. Dreyfus doesn't understand. She says it was in a dream, and he allows her to go on. Cut to Annabelle speaking with her bandmate, uh, her bandmate Nina, about staying in this new home that she can't uh, share the location of. Annabelle talks about the situation with the girls, Nina suggesting that she leaves him. Annabelle claims that she can't do that, do that to him, though. Lucas and, and Annabelle are waiting for the girls outside of their new home. Dreyfus pulls up, allowing the girls to get out of his car. Lily completely barefoot. I love how Lily is just still super feral. Yeah. Right? Like, she's just, like, she doesn't belong there. Right. And it's because she was so young when everything happened. Right. The majority of her life was just living out there. Right. Yeah. Cause Five she, years. We can yeah. assume when she got dropped off there, she was maybe two. Yeah. Right? And it's been five years, so what, she's maybe seven now? And she still looks even younger than that. She does. She does. It's crazy. Lucas approaches them with a smile, motioning for Annabelle. She does so with a smile, kneeling down for Lily. Lily just whispers, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Annabelle tells her immediately, no, do not call me that, correcting her, then slightly taking it back. Because like she like looks over around, she's like, oh, all right, these girls need a mother figure, maybe? Like, the girls head inside Lily holding onto her sister as they walk through the house a dog barks in the backyard Victoria and Lily go outside Lily running on all fours to jump inside of a box it was kind of cute yeah it was adorable like, yeah it was just like like she immediately just ran out just to jump in a box I was like <laughs> my cat does that right. <laughs> and it's cool to see that they're getting a little bit more comfortable with their surroundings and being a little bit more open because before they were just like territorial and yeah. don't go near me 
How long so, do you think they I were like there that. for? Like in the, the facility. In the, in the facility. Oh, uh, I want, it, it I didn't seem long because Victoria still had her scars. Right. So I figured maybe I would say like maybe two a, weeks. That's what I was thinking. Maybe yeah. two to three weeks max. Victoria approaches the dog, handsome, confirming that it is him, petting him as Lily watches fearfully in a box. They are at the dinner table eating, Victoria dropping her fork so she can eat with her hands, and it just gradually got more and more disgusting. (laughs) Uh, While Lily is on the ground viciously consuming her cherries, I actually do, though, love how they eat and how they sleep, because they're just, it kind of takes them back to how they were. Right. The couples are looking at the girls asleep in the room, Victoria on the bed while Lily is underneath. Lucas tries to clean up a little bit in their room, realizing that Lily is wrapped with a vine. <laughs> he leaves out of the room with a warm smile on his face, then Lily wakes up underneath the bed. Dreyfus is at a public records office. Lu- uh, Luis comes up to, a, to the table, dropping files on top and sharing that there aren't any uh, police reports between 2008 and 2012 that match Victoria's story. She also shares that there aren't any psychiatric hospitals near Clifton Forge. It's so weird that 2008 and 2012 seemed like it was just yesterday. Yeah, but it was a long time ago. Oh, that was like over 10 years ago. So crazy to think about. (laughs) Like this movie's almost 10 years old. Yeah. That's wild. God damn it. It still holds up. I'll say that. I will agree. I will agree. He asks where the closet, uh, where the closest one is. She tells him that um, it is in Fall Church, which is 200 miles from there. She then shares a logbook that her has records from St. Gertrude's Asylum, which is five miles. He's confused. She tells him that it's shut down in 1878 and tells him about a patient on page 31 named Edith Brennan. And I love this. I love that we're getting closer and closer. Right, some lore. To, right. Which I love. To the lore of this antagonist or villain, right? Yeah. Like, it's really, really great. Back with the girls, humming a tune while drawing on the wall, a black moth on the wall, catching Lily's attention, and Victoria bringing the attention back on her by taking her blanket and running away. Meanwhile, Annabelle is doing some laundry while Lily is jumping and playing on the bed. She is tugging the covers, Victoria walking into the shot, from a different area down the hall. What? This is a this perfectly reveal. framed shot. Right Perfect. Here. And they have multiple shots like this within this yeah. film, and it's fantastic. I love this shot. And I love the fact, like, because I, I, I believe in this moment, because I've only seen this movie twice. This is my yeah. second time watching this. And the first time I saw it was in theaters. And I remember in theaters, when this moment happened, I was just like, what is this thing? What yeah. is this thing? Because I, I, I don't think I watched a trailer for this one. I don't think I watched a trailer for this. One. I think I went. I'm in pretty blind. sure I didn't watch a trailer too. Yeah, because I love going in blind on movies if I can. So yes, 100. percent I'll say this too, uh, real quick. Um, from like the movie theater to when it came out to like VOD, Blu-ray, DVD. Back then in 2013, I was not even a horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember I bought this like almost immediately when it came out. Really? So I'm pretty sure this was my either fourth or fifth time maybe watching this, but I haven't seen it since like a few the, years or yeah, something. Yeah, 2015 maybe. If sure. that, it's definitely been at least six years. Um, but that's one of the scenes that always stuck with me. Yeah. Because it's so memorable of like her like pulling and then she gets 
Well, we'll she talk gets, about it right now. Yeah, like, lifted. It, it, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's I really, love it. really great. I have that on my notes too. I was like, the tug of war is clever, and seeing her do the thing is like super dope. Yeah, love it. It's <laughs> this it's scene so playful. The scene is haunting at the same time. Rules because you're just like it's visually like that? nice and appealing to look at. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And by the way, everybody, yeah, you are correct. Nightlight Horror Movie Podcast did make Freddy a horror movie fan. <laughs> uh, actually, The Conjuring. <laughs> but that's where uh, Nightlight definitely made me like, oh, horror is the number one genre for me. Wow. So, you, heard you heard it here first. Yeah. That warms my heart. Mama gurgles and can be heard. And Lily's squealing when she falls to the floor when uh, Mama lets go of the sheet. Annabelle is going to check if she is okay. As Lily continues, Victoria calls Annabelle to get handsome. She irritatedly goes to tend to the dog while Victoria takes off her glasses to join. Lily and Mama shutting the door behind her. Oh, so good. And at this point, like, you see Lily in the air floating, laughing. I love that. Yeah. Wow. How fucking cool. And it's just like, Mama is kind of a good mom. <laughs> so far. Like, so I mean, far. we've seen her kill someone, but I mean, the same for time, them, though, she's a very protective person. Exactly. has taken them in. Like, would, will, would like, I kill someone for my daughter? Probably. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. Like, if someone was threatening her to the point where right. her, I felt like she was completely in danger, yeah, I probably would step in. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I probably would do that for just a, a random kid. Like, if yeah. I saw a kid getting, like, hit or something in the, in the middle of the street or something, or like, oh, I would no. be I would be fucking furious. I would I'd run over them there, over. So, yeah. God. Now, night. Back to it. <laughs> now night Annabelle practicing her bass on the lights flickering and her uh, her speaker making a strange sound this is also really cool she tends to it hearing thumping upstairs the lights shut off then briefly back on showing Lily in the kitchen um, off again and on startling Annabelle from Lily jumping and screaming off the counter <laughs> oh my god Annabelle was fucking freaked the shit out and I I I wonder, rightfully so, rightfully so. But I wonder if that was a true scare for her. I didn't tell her that was going to be the same. Yeah, because it, it looks like it looks like something like that. Because they did that in It Chapter Two, so yeah. I, I would feel like they would get that again, or they probably got that from this movie to do that to her. Lucas, um, who I will be now referring to as Luke, because you know words, Easier. yeah is home and Annabelle who I now will be referring to as Anna uh, commenting that the girls aren't ready for this and thinking that she can't do this. He tells her that he loves her um, or excuse me he tells her that he loves her sharing a kiss with her and now comes comes the passion and they're all like yeah come on yeah, come on. while they're making <laughs> out she sees a lanky tall woman standing in the door frame. Wow. She yells that someone is there with them. He checks to see who it is, calling out to the girls. About to go inside, the girl's cracked door, it slams in front of his face. He opens it. The girl's fast asleep, but he notices that the window is open. He goes back to Anna, letting her know that nobody is there. She trusts her gut, about to go after who she saw with a hammer. Luke stops her, asking for the hammer. He is about to head downstairs, but he notices a dark, growing mold-like substance on his wall. Meanwhile, Anna is checking on the girls and notices the chandelier swaying above. Luke continues looking at the black mode as as it softly snarls a gray mouth 
A gray moth crawls out. Then dark, lanky hands reach out for him, causing him to fall on the banister and tumble down the stairs. And he fell hard. How hard? He fell hard. Anna calls for Luke, running down to run, running down the stairs to check on him. We cut to Anna watching over the an unconscious Luke. Dreyfus comes into the room, apologizing to her, letting her know that Luke will be fine. And by the way, they're in the hospital. <laughs> uh, she asked about the girls. Him was sharing that they need um, they need her more now than ever. Anna argues that she isn't ready for this. Dreyfus quickly convinces um, convinces her for Luke's sake. Back home during the day, a cop lets her know that they, they didn't find anything. She really shoes him away, slamming the door. Oh, to be white. <laughs> Anna goes to the girls, sharing that, this is, that it is only going to be them for a while, not really caring about how they will feel about it. Transition to night, Anna is in bed, then it cuts to her looking out of her bedroom door into the hall. She notices Lily crouched in the darkness. She eerily comes crawling into view. Then she heads back into her room. Strange moaning comes from the closet. Anna wakes up from this nightmare. That fucking looks great. Yeah, another great hallway scene. Oh my god. And the lighting god. is perfect. 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 Uh, yeah. you, you assume it's going to be the cliche of when they go into the darkness, it becomes a full person or right. a large person or something like that. And it it's beautiful how this plays where it doesn't do that trope yeah. because she's moving extremely eerie-like. And it's it's great. It works so well. And honestly, the only other time I've seen kind of something like this that works this well is anything for Jackson. You might what be seeing the trick or treat scene. Oh yes, yeah. okay. So yeah. ah, the, you know, like that's so good. Exactly. So it becomes that's, like the taller. No most, spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, we don't. We don't want to spoil it. We don't spoil it. Tall <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's. It reminds me very much of that. Next day, Dreyfus is is in the girls' room looking at their drawings on the walls. They draw an image of a a lady bent backwards. Anna tells him that they have been um, talking to the walls, saying, Mama. While looking around, he finds a makeshift doll. He asks Anna, what, uh, what is it? She says that they made it. it uh, Dreyfus takes a picture of it. Dreyfus is going over his studies with Victoria, listening to their records, or excuse me, listening to their recordings and looking at photos. He notices when he's at, when he asks her a question, she looks in a corner behind him. He looks back in the exact same corner of his wall, but his phone rings, bringing him back. Louise from the public records leaves a voicemail saying that she found something that he may he may want to see. Back with the girls and Anna, Anna is opening a can while Lily is laughing and smiling at something in the dark behind her <laughs> i love that i love how annabelle's just like what the fuck are you guys laughing at <laughs> right like she's like what what is going on what is so funny here anna turns around asking if they are okay they nod their head but continue to stay silent lily looking behind her chair smiling yet again anna asks what's so funny but no answer they look back into the darkness at mama floating <sighs> the imagery is so great it's so good the hair flows so perfectly i never knew about this until i started doing a little bit of backstory research on the movie itself so her floating hair is what hair would react to being underwater yes and i was like wow Mm -hmm. this puts a lot more in perspective which we'll talk about and i'm like i love this now even (laughs) even more so well attention to detail is great i mean her 
floating in general is, is because like her whole surroundings pretty much water. Yeah. Like she pretty much swims. <laughs> so what? cool. Creepy. So good. Oh, what a great, what a great antagonist. Yeah. Such a fantastic antagonist. Anna uh, puts the girls back to bed, tucking in Victoria, hitting her head. Um, and she's like smacks her on the top of the head as good night. <laughs> I was like, damn, to say good night. Lily screams no at her while she nestles under, underneath the bed. She throws her hands up and leaves out of the room. She is lying in bed, turning off the TV for the night and getting ready for bed. Meanwhile, Mama emerges out of the closet. Lily wakes up, calling for Victoria. And she's like, Victoria. Mama! <laughs> Anna wakes up, uh, hearing them humming through the vents. She walks down the hall, following the deep hums, the, sc- the sconces flickering. She is breathing heavily, hearing the girls laughing and playing in their room. She opens their door. The girls stop immediately, looking at her, then then the closet. Anna tells them that it is late, and then heads, for, heads uh, t- towards the closet, um to close it victoria stops her telling her to not go into the closet anna shakily asks what's in the closet the girls look at each other victoria telling her quote unquote nothing anna slowly reaches for the knob gently closing the closet door she then tells the girls to go to bed before leaving out of the room and that is probably one of the smartest things for me in this movie because in that moment i truly deeply feel like anna knows something's in the closet I think so too. I think she already feels his presence. Obviously, she's seen something already, and then she talks about it a little bit later on. It's like, oh, someone is visiting them and right. stuff like that. Exactly. Um, and it's one of those things like I rather not risk opening this, and right. I'm just going to slowly close it. Exactly. Just for my own peace of mind. Right. Yeah. Which and and is, that and that for her was just enough closure to be like, I'm right. not going to worry about this right and now. It's great for the viewer too because you assume it's like, oh, in every scary movie, they're going to open the closet, they're right. going to look inside, and we're going to have a jump scare. Yeah. And it and plays it later, like that too, yeah. of course. And they play Beautiful that scene attention. very well like this, and you just see it slowly, and it cuts to her hand slowly closing. You you have a little Beautiful. bit of relief, and she has a relief exactly. As a character. Perfect amount of tension in that moment as well, because we know what's in the closet as an audience member. Yeah. But what's what's beautiful about this is that she's truly all alone here because these, uh, this was Lucas, like this was supposed yeah. to be his job, kind of thing, and he got murked. <laughs> Dude got murked. Anna is telling Dreyfus about a message from our sponsors. And we're back. Get to Anna telling Dreyfus that someone is coming to visit the girls at night. He asks who. She she paces, saying that she doesn't know. He suspects that she is uh, speaking about Mama, asking if she believes that. She claims that she heard her singing a lullaby. He plays a video of Victoria humming. Anna comments that it is the same tune, but the voice was deeper. Dreyfus sits down, sharing that Victoria that Victoria is showing signs of dis- disassociative personality disorder. He continues saying that he thinks th- that she is becoming the role of Mama. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, I follow this person on uh, TikTok huh. who has disassociative um, personality disorder, and it's I think it was thirteen or twelve or something like that that he has, and it's so fascinating. So fascinating. He's married and um, there he can control it now to an extent, but like there's certain triggers that happen to where he gets certain ones. So yeah. like, for example, if someone inflicts pain or if he if he gets hurt, for example, he'll switch so he doesn't have to feel the pain. 
Interesting. It is so intriguing, and I learned so much about this condition just from watching his videos. I have to check that out. Yeah, I, yeah. if I find it again, because I like I, I don't know his, his thing, so if I, I'll look through my follows and I'll send it to right. you because it is so fascinating. It's one of those things where in the movie itself, it's a great redirection too. Because as yes. a viewer, if you're seeing this for the first time, it's like, oh, is she? Maybe this is a whole entire thing where she does have that, right? And yeah. she is taking the persona of mama to take care of her younger right. sister like because it could be like her you know imagination yeah. maybe mama's not truly there and this is just all in her head right right so like it, it in could order be to survive similar. and provide right. for her little sister right because they, so they do state that earlier that. where it's just like this is all imaginary and in, in, yeah. in their head so it's a great way to say like oh yeah mama's not real right but, we know better. <laughs> True that. She wonders if she is safe. A Dreyfus brushing it off on it on the just being a child. And I'm just like, bruh, have you seen Children on the Corn? Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, am I safe, dog? Like, I'm gonna ask you again. <laughs> she looks over the box uh, with the case of Desange on it. Dreyfus is with Louise walking through the Isle of Files, looking for Edith Brennan's files. She she goes about she goes about human remains not being claimed, and the, and they have them there. It must smell in there. Yeah. Like, it must so. really smell in there. The one thing I really like about this movie, too, in general, is, like, it gets treated like a crime mystery drama at yeah, the same time. And that's I love cool. those, too. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I appreciate I the, the mixture of genres and different stories and stuff like that. And I yeah. wish it kind of delivered on something. But, well, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. She pulls out a box, asking him if he believes in ghosts. He tells her that he doesn't. Luis explains the passage of a ghost being based on the bent out of shape emotion. Beautiful way to put it. Condemned to repeat itself until it writes it's wrong. Um, she hands him a box, calling it calling it the wrong. It's a good line. What is this? This the is the wrong. wrong. Wow. Cut to Anna cleaning the house, Lily slowly emerging out of the box. Um, Lily starts chattering and laughing her, and, whispering and whispering accompanies her. Anna stares into the darkness, cautiously going to check it out. While standing there, Mama floats down from the room that she was just in. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> scene. Mama appears behind her. Anna startled by feeling the presence but not seeing her. Meanwhile, Luke's hospital room is being surrounded by dark moths. He wakes up, hallucinating that he that he's outside. Now, quick question. Do you think the mold that's on the wall are portals? I think so too, like the afterlife and stuff like that. Portals or, just to get her to allow her yeah. to get to a place to place fast. Yeah. I think that's what they are. And I think maybe in this lore, this folklore, um, him dying by her hands, maybe he's kind of trapped into this like other realm as well. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, did he die though? He didn't no. Die. Well, what, who he sees. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, got it, got it, got it. His brother comes out of the shadows of an overpass, body jerking and twisting every time he walks. Jeff calls to Luke, telling him to save his girls, and pointing his arm, calling for him to go to the cabin. This does look great. I you like say this. it looks great? I like the way this looks. Because it reminds it, me of The Ring. It looks like The Ring, but I can't shake the fact that it's like, oh, it's just a green screen in front of the doorway. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it works for this movie. But when I rewatched it this time around, I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. It was, I'm okay it was with it. I still love this movie. It was a oof for you. Yeah. 
his brother comes in. Oh, excuse me. Luke tr- starts to seize as the computer's rapidly saying mama over and over. While seizing, he's, he still sees his brother standing there pointing, uh, standing there and pointing. Cut to Anna. Cut to Anna, Luke, and and the girls in the hospital. Victoria drew him a picture, giving it to him, and he hands her one that he drew. She likes it. About to show Lily who was underneath the hospital bed eating the eating the moths. Uh, getting, that, getting that mama's nutrients. Now, I, now I, it's Protein. actually very interesting because I picture this as a child nursing because those moths are mama, and I oh, that's what I wow, pictured it deep. as as a child nursing and that's that's the way i pictured that moment like i feel like that's just the kind of context that that gives off interesting i can totally see that right luke and uh, luke and anna are chatting about her time with the girls without him there victoria's in the bathroom crying while uh, while uh, trying to open a jar Anna asks if she is okay, assisting her with the jar. Victoria says that she doesn't want to hurt, want to get hurt. Anna doesn't understand, commenting that nothing bad is going to happen to her. She is about to touch her head, Victoria backing away, telling her that she can't do that because she will get jealous. Victoria looks up behind Anna, but Anna doesn't see anything through the door. Victoria is about to run out of the, ba- out of the bathroom, Anna stopping her, asking her what's wrong, but she breaks free. Um, and this is interesting because Anna does this again later. Yeah. The same exact way. And I do like the same with Victoria too, because now she generally cares about Annabelle. Yeah. And making sure she's safe too. It's like you don't want to do that. Right. I, I care about you now. Exactly. Like, like I don't I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Anna opens the door for Jean. She tells Anna that it is her day. Anna lets her lets her in. Jean is Jean in shock at the girl's conditions. And I love how Lily just like flinches away for her so she doesn't touch her. She's like, what the fuck? Fuck you. I don't even know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> Jean comments about the bruises. Anna irritatedly tells her that it isn't like that. Jean asks if asks to have the girls for a few days, condescending Anna while asking. Anna chuckles and threatens her to get out of the, get out of her house. Jean tells the girls that she will see them real soon, Anna calling her back before she leaves, asking if she if, if she has been coming around the house playing with the girls at night. And I guess Annabelle doesn't have a job? No. Right? Uh, I guess like her dream was to make it big with her band. Right. So I guess that's what her passion was. But now she had to put that on hold for a little bit. Right. Yeah. To be a mama. She yells that she hasn't, then leaves out of the house. Jean calls for social services, asking to speak to someone if she believes that her nieces are being abused. Luke is on the phone with Anna um, talking about Jean's visit. She defends herself, blaming it on exhaustion and that being the reason why she has forgotten. They continue their argument, her reminding her, him reminding her that he will be out. He will be out of there very soon. He comments that that he will take care of them, adding that they are the most important thing to him in the world. She gets upset, hanging up on him. And she's like, great. And that's always the greatest thing you want to hear during an argument. Right. (laughs) Just that. They mean the world to me. What about me? Yeah. Moment. Yeah, exactly. And like, I get it on both sides. Yeah. Where it's just like, yes, technically not his kids. Sure. You you you're in his life, but they're kind of his kids now. Yeah, you know, like it's just you gotta understand that, and I think she does understand that later. Um, Lily is playing with her doll in the kitchen while Dreyfus is working with Victoria for an, another uh, hypnotism session. He asks her about Mama. 
if she, and if she lived in the house by the lake with her, with her. He then asks, where does she live? She tells him that she lived in the walls. He continues asking where she is, but she claims that she doesn't know. Victoria starts to breathe rapidly. He asks for her to open her eyes, holding a picture up, asking if, it, if this is mama. She yells for him to go away, but he yells for her to tell him about her. She screams no. He screams yes. They are interrupted by snarling. Dreyfus looks behind his chair, the wall and the ceiling beginning to increase with mold. Oh, and I love how he knows. He's just like, okay, like, well, all I'm right. out. I fucked I up. Yep. All right, I'm out of here. Great. Dreyfus is quickly gathering his things and asking what's going on. He brushes it off, claiming that he has to go and that he will call her. He gets in his car, looking, looking back at Anna, then notices Mama in the window, looking directly at him. Oh, love that. I love how she's just standing there the only thing that would have made that slightly better for me glowing eyes which we get later (laughs) we cut to him looking at pictures uh, talking about their seventh session he believes that he found a passage that connects Helvetia into the Dasanja's house he is um, as he continues to talk Victoria is staring at mama without her glasses she is blurry for her but we we can view Lily going up to her to hug her um, jump to him, continuing his VO as he drives to Clifton Forge for proof. He walks into the woods in search of the cabin. Nighttime and back at the house with Anna asleep in bed, the camera shifts. He, um, her being startled into a nightmare by, um, uh, by a really lame jump scare that transitions to the past. That sucks. <laughs> that jump scare. This is the one I was talking about where I was like the most corniest jump scare ever. Yeah. Like it was not good. It's forced for the It is so forced. Like I just oh, I just do not like that jump scare at all. Um this is my only thing I don't understand. Um Mama shows these dreams. And yes. yet Mama showed the dream to Victoria to show her like this is my past. Yeah. This is what happened to me. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. But she shows this to Annabelle. Why? To show like this is who you're dealing with. Maybe it's like maybe the reason why I'm here is because of these children. Sure, this is the reason why. But that's the only context I can get from it. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, like I like I, I just it doesn't make sense to me. It, it this whole scene feels it, it, forced funny. to show us exposition of you what happened. Read to my mind. It's like the story is not really meant for her. It's for us, as right? Were yeah. To know the backstory of Mama to understand her as a character to right. kind of have some empathy for her. And they should have done this in Victoria again. Then, yeah, that would have made more sense to do this in in Victoria. But I guess for like when we get to the final showdown and stuff like that, it has that contrast. It's like, I know why you're taking these kids. Sure. They're staying with me. Please. But at the same time, she goes through the files. Yeah. And she Which is how she finds out. So like it didn't have to be a dream sequence. It didn't. It definitely didn't. Yeah. But like this, this moment just felt so forced to me that it and like that it left a sour taste in my mouth seeing her exposition. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, all right, like I'll I let get it. Slide. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, there are children running around. Uh, uh, we are in the perspective of Mama. She stabs a nun for a baby, <laughs> and she she stabs her with like a yarn, like needle. a needle. Yeah, yeah. Then runs into the forest. She stabs her a few times. Then runs into the forest with the baby. She runs. She is running away from being chased to a cliff. This is also oddly 
shot. So like I the guess cinematography is very interesting. My question is like, looks that like that was cartoon. never her kid. No, she stole that kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I assume it was an orphanage. Right. So. The baby is crying and closes the baby and she closes the baby's eyes, falling and jumping um, into the water, hitting an exposed branch on the way down. And that was a brutal scene. Ooh, yeah. that was a brutal scene. Um, we transition back to Anna being woken up and then startled by Victoria standing there. Now, the only thing that makes me think about this scene makes me think that Victoria possibly had the dream, too. At the same time, which is why she was standing there, maybe. I don't know. She yeah, she asked what she asked her what's wrong, then they hear cracking and slithering underneath the bed. She asked Victoria what's underneath the bed, and I love how she's she's like, Victoria, what's underneath the bed? This is one of my favorite scenes from this movie. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's one it, of the scariest scenes. It from this immediately movie. rectifies itself from having that shitty dream sequence. For exactly. Me. She asks Victoria, "What's underneath the bed?" It's and it is Mama trying to force her way underneath the bed. Mama pops up on the to- on top of the bed, screeching and gurgling. Anna screams while pulling the covers over her head, waking up from the actual nightmare this time. We transition to Lily sitting on the floor. She walks over to Victoria, Mama slithering out of the window. I love that. She whispers for Victoria to come for Mama. Victoria opens her eyes but turns over, Lily hitting her to come. Victoria sobs, telling her that she will stay. Lily goes out of the window. Meanwhile, Dreyfus finds the house at night. Great idea. Just gonna go when it's almost nighttime, so this it can go gripe. during nighttime. His motivation to go to his house has no meaning to me. What the like? Fuck? What? What are, you, what are you trying to find there? Nothing. You, I mean, you yeah, have the files. Yeah, that's true. You know exactly her story. What are you gonna find there? You know that someone was trying to kill you earlier in the living room. <laughs> you see her in the window. Let's go where she lives. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. As a viewer, I'm just like, you're the dumb character in this movie. You were the smart character that figured everything out just for this moment. This is your exposition. Yeah. This is that's this my is, biggest gripe with this movie is this, this, you, this, this character and how he's like delivered at the very end. This is what where you can tell this was rewrites at this point. Like this, this, I hap- so. this happened in rewrites. If this wasn't the main script, that was like Right. Because because like I said, I, I had the opportunity to listen to uh, Barbara Muschietti's um, interview about this and yeah. she did state that del toro very much encouraged them that like you have to show the monster you have to show the monster um so they had to rewrite it to where you see the monster yeah and to make that make a little bit more sense i guess for us to see the monster but um that was something that guillermo really wanted but we know guillermo right guillermo yeah. del toro loves his monsters loves his monsters and rightfully so yeah rightfully so he does a great job with his monsters too so hey inside he looks around a light illuminating the girl's drawings black oozing mold on the wall was um has him intrigued to touch it which is like bro that looks exactly the same as what you saw when you ran away leave Like, what are you doing? Unless you were surrounded by people. Right. You got no one. You're in the middle of the woods. Yeah, by yourself. No one knows you're here. (laughs) Go during the day. (laughs) Mama moans loudly to stop it. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, Mama Mama moans loudly to stop him from continuing. He comments that he knows her name and and, uh, knows what she wants. She is groaning and sobbing inside the house, his light going out. He pulls out his camera, taking pictures to briefly illuminate his surroundings. The groaning... I would have just... 
try to definitely run. <laughs> Anything. Uh, he, uh, he, the groaning gets louder as he gets closer and closer to as it gets as she gets closer and closer to him, then snapping his neck. Next day, Anna gets up to head over the, to the girl's room, rubbing rubbing a bruise on her neck. Lily um, isn't in the room. Victoria's still asleep in the in the bed. Now, okay, you know what? I just figured out the dream sequence. Okay. Mama was trying to possess her. That's what she was trying to do. Okay. That kind of makes the, sense. The bruise on her neck. And Mama was trying to go underneath the bed. Right. She was trying to go through the bed into her. Right. Essentially. Which okay. makes no sense for Mama's like, yo, just go on top. Like That's true. There you go. Very true. Um, Unless the Easily done can... earlier. I mean, later on, but. Yes, yeah, true. We'll see. Yeah. So that's, I think that's what happened. Yeah. And I, that, think, that's, and I think that's why we got that. Honestly, scene. the whole cabin thing, that was just a big horror movie trope to scare yeah, people. Yeah, that totally. Especially, like the camera. That was, that was just a way to get the doctor out of the way. Yeah. That's all. She looks out of the window, spotting Lily outside outside asleep. She runs outside to Lily, shivering from the cold. She rushes Lily in the house, trying to warm her up. Lily tries to get away from her, screaming and hitting Anna. Anna restrains her, telling her to stop. Then she embraces her. Lily gets exhausted, but Anna hugs her and tries to heat her hands by exhaling on them. Lily is intrigued and copies her. Victoria comes downstairs, frightened for Lily's, for Anna's safety. Cut to Anna, nailing the w- window shut and explaining that they can use a door and not a window. They repeat after her, and Victoria's uh, ruining breakfast spaghetti. My favorite meal. Anna is putting clothes away in the room, in their room, startled, startled by someone in the corner of the room. She thinks it is Lily and continues putting the clothes in the drawers. <laughs> Victoria calls for Annabelle, shouting, for, shouting that Lily is hungry. Mama rises up behind her and heads into the closet, closing it loud enough for Annabelle to hear. Anna heads towards the closet doors, cautiously opening it. The lights flicker. Uh, excuse me. The lights flicker when she does so. She moves the clothes out of the way, noticing the black mold on the wall. She continues moving to see how far it goes. Victoria comes into the room, calling for her. And you get that awesome glimpse of Mama in the corner, like her body completely contorted to match that side the of the corner, corner of the closet. Of the closet yeah. Genius. But you know what's also genius is that it also looks like she's in water. Yes. It looks like she's in a tank of water. Like it, it even feels like you can see the bubbles like floating around her. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Anna closes the closet door and comes downstairs to eat with the girls. Um, and I don't know why I said that like group. <laughs> Girls! Uh, Anna, Girls. <laughs> Anna pours more juice for Victoria, then asks her uh, what she talks about with Dreyfus. And y'all, you just let them eat that burnt ass spaghetti in a can? Yeah, why not? Just kidding. They've had cherry pits their whole life. At least that's better than burnt spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, debatable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she asks Victoria about Mama and who she is. Victoria's eyes water. Cut to Anna leaving a voicemail for Dreyfus. She notices the girl's file. She opens it, reading the session notes showing that Dreyfus was trying to figure out who Mama who Mama is. She moves the paper, seeing the image of Mama. And boy, does she look terrifying. They are at Dreyfus's office, Anna waiting for the girls as the, her secretary talking on the phone about something happening to Dreyfus. Anna moves closer to her, the secretary crying, and Anna asking if she is okay. And um, I was curious about that, though. Like, how did they find him so fast? Like, at the house. 
makes no sense. But The woman goes into the bathroom and Anna takes his chance to grab the files and computer. She rushes the girls out of there. Meanwhile, Luke is on the hospital bed sketching his sieging nightmare. Um, he grabs his map with clues for his... Uh, uh, for his search, he notices the bridge in his dream, the Willow Pass. He leaves out of the hospital and drives to the location of Clifton Forge. Um, I personally would have probably seen my girlfriend and my kids, but okay. 100%. Like, cool. First thing I'm going to do is figure out what happened to my brother. When your brother says, save the girls, why wouldn't you go back he to He does them? say go to the cabin, though. Does he? Yeah. I thought he says save the girls and he was yeah. pointing towards the cabin. But I think I'm pretty sure he says go to the cabin as well. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Whatever. Um he gets out of his car, walking through the pass and down down a hillside. Back with Anna, looking through the evidence box from Dreyfus's office, she browses through his computer, reading what he was uh, writing about Helvetia. She watches the uh, hypnotherapy for Victoria's for Victoria talking uh, Victoria talking about the story of Mama running away from the hospital. Anna looks at at the images of Edith and the baby. As Victoria is crying, she tells Dreyfus about Mama looking for her baby and finding them instead. She finds the records of the child's remains, looking at a box from, for, uh, from evidence with tears running down her face. Dreyfus asks if Mama can... If Mama... Dreyfus asks if, if she can show... Excuse me. Dreyfus asks if Mama can show him, um, but Victoria tells him that she won't come because they are watching. Meanwhile, Luke is walking in the dark woods, and Brez is there, no flashlight, no jacket... Like, okay, what was your plan here? What was your plan? What are you doing? Why is no one going to this cabin during the day? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's less scary. You can see where you're going. You don't have to use a fucking camera to use as a flash to see stuff. <laughs> At least the other guy had a flashlight. That's Didn't true. Work. He had a flashlight. Um, but still. Yeah. And the other thing I had with like Dreyfus too is like he knew, quote unquote, what mama wanted and he didn't bring it. That's true. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> His phone notifies him that he got a voicemail from Annabelle. He tries to call her back, um, it going straight to voicemail. Back with Victoria, going inside the living room, checking on her as she is crying. Lily is at the door, watching them hug each other, shaking her head at Victoria for doing so. She tells Anna goodnight and that she loves her when leaving out of the room. And, and it kind of feels like she's setting her up. She's like, damn, you doing this shit on purpose. You want mama to kill her. <laughs> Jean pulls up to the house. Victoria is lying on her bed, looking at mama's closet. She knocks on her, on her frame for Lily. She follows her, she follows her out of the room. They walk down the stairs, um, stopping when she hears something thudding around in the kitchen. The sisters head down the stairs, noticing Anna still on the couch. Lily is in the foyer, breathing heavily as she looks into another room at Mama floating. Uh, Victoria calls for her, but she doesn't respond. I fucking love this. Mama this like my favorite scenes. opens her arms. She's all like slightly floating. deformed. And she's floating yeah. and twitching when she does it. And it's so... Good. And I love this next line too. Victoria tells her not to look at her because she's mad. <laughs> Mama stretches her arms out to her. And when Lily looks back at her, she charges at Lily with a scream. 
So good. I love this scene. They run and scream up the stairs as Mama chases after them. Lily runs in the room, closing the door on her sister, banging and banging in footsteps down the hall, but it is Anna. Lily screams. They burst into the room and Lily is on the ground. Checking on her, Mama comes out comes off the wall, screeching, moaning, and running towards them with her deformed steps. And she's like twisted body sideways, like her like her, it's like her rib cage isn't even there. Mama comes out of another room, tripping Anna, trying to um, trying to merge with her to possess her. Victoria tells her to stop and to leave Anna alone. Mama rapidly crawls after her, taking her glasses off. Jean looks. Uh, Jean sneaks into the house through the sliding glass door and is like, "Wrong time, Jean." Mama hears this and retreats back into the floor. Victoria and Lily checks on Annabelle. Jean is inside the room, seeing Mama's wig slither towards her. She once the hair touches her, Mama reveals herself and charges after Jean's face. Jean comes down the stairs, breathing heavily as she looks to see what Mama has done. Jean is in the kitchen, body twitching and herself gurgling as well. This looks great. I love it's I, so sick. I love the twitching and, and things like that without showing someone's face. It's always been so eerie to me. Victoria calls out to her. She turns around, revealing her face just like Edith's with moths coming out of it. Transition to the past where the baby has died on the branch. Edith is floating a floating face down in the water, moths bursting through her back. Anna wakes up, rushing down the stairs, calling out for the girls outside of the house. Back in the house, Anna opens the box where the baby is inside she hops in her whip driving to clifton forge leaving a voicemail for luke yet again about mama having the girls like i mean i love it how she assumes luke knows already <laughs> yeah it's like she has them like does he know about her? you're right, just like <laughs> i don't you I, like you talking about gene like <laughs> uh luke runs out on the road almost getting hit by anna what a quinky dink she runs out of the car hugging him and sharing the same message on the voicemail they run down the hill. F- uh, f- uh, f- what? I don't know what I was trying to say here. They run down the hill. Um, Mama and Dreyfus is, oh, filling him. She's her filling him in on Mama and Dreyfus's studies. Um, and just like that, we are at the cabin. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> they head inside a contorted Jean standing in the middle of the room. Luke calls, calls and touches her. Jean crumbles to the ground. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I was like, all right. Sure. She yeah. gone. Okay. She, she dead dead then. And I love how Luke was just like, hmm, all right, nothing to do for her here. Let's keep on going. <laughs> Luke calls and touches her, or excuse me, um, in the back of the cabin, they they see them on the cliff. The sisters are looking at Mama Lily all smiles and all smiles and shit while Luke and Anna rush up there towards them. They call out to them. Mama shrieking as she floats up to them. Mama purrs holding her arms open for Lily. Luke screams no for her. He catches and grabs her back, Mama grabbing his face. As his face gets sucked off by a ghastly hand, Anna Anna pulls out Edith's baby from her bag. Keep that's a good place for it. She calls, <laughs> she calls to Mama, and she looks at Anna, noticing the baby in her hand. She floats over to her, growling and clicking as she takes the covered co- child corpse. Mama walks towards the edge, Unwrapping the cloth, 
around skeletal around the skeletal child. She wails as she drops to the ground, body transforming to her original self, crying. Lily cries out for her, either turning back into Mama, throwing the bones of, of her baby, and rushing back over to them in the coolest fucking way possible. This looks yeah. so good. Uh, this whole entire scene looks great. And it Javier Bote does a great job with all these movements and stuff like that. So fantastic. And it's kind of morbid, very dark. As oh, well. yeah. Oh, but yeah. You very can morbid. get so much emotion out of Mama in this scene. Yes. Which I feel like is very important it for the humanizes character itself. Her. Yes, exactly that. It definitely humanizes her, and it, in, which I very much enjoy. I like that she is she is humanized yeah, in this moment. It shows the purpose beside, uh, about her like behavior with the whole entire thing. Yeah, definitely. She fucks up Luke and then <laughs> takes Anna into the air, throwing her onto the ground. Lily cries out for her, laughing and smiling as Mama embraces her. <laughs> All right. Anna tells Victoria to stay there. Mama grabs Victoria's shoulder. Victoria gives Anna a last goodbye going with Mama. Anna crawls after them, Mama holding them behind her, and she just pushes Anna's face down. She doesn't give up. Anna uh, continues moving as Victoria co- continues to tell her to sleep. Um, Mama is about to walk off the edge, but they are tugged back when Anna holds on to Victoria's robe. Victoria lets go of Mama. She drops her drops down. Victoria giving her last goodbye to now Mama. <laughs> Lily calls calls for her to come, but she sobs to her sister as she mentions that she is going to stay. They grab each other. Mama grabbing Lily's arm, releasing them as they float in the air. They cry for Lily, and Mama holds her closer, spiraling into something um, and dropping down into the water. Lily looks at Mama, giggling and happy as she can be. They hit the branch, dispersing into moths. Annabelle and Victoria embrace as they sob while Luke finally wakes up. (laughs) God damn it. A, A butterfly lands on Victoria's hand, and she knows it is her sister saying one last goodbye. Luke comes over to them, hugging them all over the edge of the cliff. Y'all can't just like leave from that. Y'all hella close. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you're literally on the edge of the cliff. If I was Luke, I'd be like, okay, let's let's come over here. Let's come over here. I'm still a little woozy. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Lily's butterfly form flies into the camera. Then credits. I don't like this ending. You don't like it? No. Um. I'm indifferent about it. It's kind of like poetic in its own way, but it's very sad and also very happy. It's yeah. something where it's like the ending could be discussed if someone actually thinks it's a happy ending or a sad ending. Because in That's a fair. way, both moms kind of have a happy ending in a way. But at the same time, it's very sad because the other one literally just died and exploded into moths. But <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, did, did she die? I think so. Or at least, yeah, no, I think she did. Really? In my eyes. And okay. they're going to the afterlife together to be f- forever in love. Okay. Interesting. Because yeah. it, it, it's very interesting because it's, like, it's one of those concepts of like, can you kill something that's already dead? You know? Um, Kind of. Well, yes and no. Because I just she's think already she just dead, moved but on. she's moving on to the right, afterlife because now. Because she has her now, closure. Yes. Because the child freely Lily's just wanted to just go with, with her. her. Yeah. <laughs> just dark, but it's it's super dark. Yes. And I I that I think that's why I don't like it. 
Yeah. Because it's just like, and it's, it's not, not be, a happy it's not ending beca- for Lily. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't or mind it, it not being a happy ending. Like, that that does not bother me. But it's the fact that I I guess I wanted them all to be sadder. <laughs> like, yeah, they, like, that's they, true. Like, I understand I mean, the, the time, moment. But they, they showed that the relationship between Mama and Lily was, was genuine yeah, and was strong. affectionate. And she sees her as her mother. She was the one that raised her, essentially. That's the only person she knows as her mom. She never gave in to Annabelle, which is understandable. You know, that's that's your mom for you. So maybe that's not why they're like that disappointed and sad. They understand why she chose it. I don't know. That's just that's to me, that's like someone choosing death and, you know, and your family's just like, all right, go ahead. Yeah, like that. I don't know. Like it, it's just I. I wanted more impact from that moment. Yeah. But anyway, I got some movie facts for us. Some movie facts. <gasps> Isabel Nicel can't speak English. Isabel Nicel is actually Lily, which is why hmm. she's not given much dialogue and speaks more with body language. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And I guess she's French. We. Oui. I think that's. I think that's what she is. I think she's French. Um. I. Yeah, she she's well, she's not French, but she's Canadian French. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Mama's appearance was inspired by a painting by Amadio Modigliani owned by Andy Muschietti. The same visual was uh used again a few years later as the painting came to life that terrorized young Stan in Muschietti's It Chapter 1. Yeah, have you seen this painting? Oh yeah. It's scary as shit. Yeah, it's the flute. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that is a scary. Painting. Oh wait, that is the painting. In That's chapter the painting one? In, the, in chapter one. I never realized that until now. Because I saw the painting <laughs> when I was doing the the background information when I was looking this up. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, that's terrifying. But now I realize that yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah, you remember? Um, the first time I heard this was uh from I, I don't know if you remember him, Daryl from uh he used to work at the Apple Store in Hillsdale. Yes. Um, but Daryl was the one who told me that he was just like he's like yeah, dude, it was it was. Mama, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. shit, and that makes total sense. Like you, t- you definitely see it, but yeah, that uh, that painting is very creepy. This is not the first time Javier Bot, <clears throat> excuse me, Javier Botet has played a ghoulish woman, as he previously appeared as the possessed patient Zero in Wreck. Ooh. <laughs> Fantastic movie. <laughs> yes, it is. The film was not the only time Javier played a demon in one of Andy Muschietti's films as well. He was also the leper. A form of the titular demon in the film It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do a couple more here. The curator of archives described as a ghost as, quote, an emotion bent out of shape, barely human, condemned to repeat itself, end quote. This is, almost word for word, how the main character defines ghost in The Devil's Backbone and Crimson Peak. Both movies were directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, the later also starring Jessica Chastain. Oh yeah, I forgot she's in that movie. She's in Crimson Peak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, whoa, incest. Wow, uh, weird movie. <laughs> Gorgeous to look at. <laughs> That's it. Has one of the most brutal scenes of someone getting their head bashed in. Yes, you don't I, remember I don't that, remember huh? It. No, dude. I just remember how gorgeous the cinematography was and great. All uh, I got is designs. I already know how I'll remind you. The sink. Think about it. While you're pondering, 
Yeah. And looking it up. Just look okay. up. Look up the sink scene. <laughs> uh, Clifton Forge, Virginia is a real place. As it is um, Dothat State Park, where the lake slash cabins mentioned in the movie are located, which is about 10 miles away from Bath County, Virginia. The sta- Which is so funny because Drew's not here. He's from Virginia. <laughs> the stand-in Main Street is even very similar. The actual town, however, is not nine miles down a dirt slash gravel road. In reality, it has a direct access to Interstate 64, <laughs> the same interstate that passes through Richmond. It is also the only town in the world with that unique name. Interesting. Super interesting. But damn, what a flick, man. I, love I absolutely so love this movie. This movie is so much fun. Even though I had some gripes, I, I look past it. Yeah, me this too. This movie, I feel like, executes almost all of the time. I agree. So I definitely agree. But let us know what you think about of Mama over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K. Um, but by all means, we want to keep this conversation going. We definitely want to chat with you guys about this movie because this movie was so much yeah, fun. So much fun. So yeah, hit us up over on Twitter so we can keep this conversation going for sure. The next movie that we are going to be covering that's going to be concluding our I'm Sorry Mama or our Mothers of Horror Month <laughs> is We Need to Talk About Kevin, which I'm very excited to revisit. I've only seen it once and Never I cannot it. wait to see it again. I'm, I'm so excited. excited for you to see it. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me we had Freddy, always keeping it spoopy, also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend to this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's like what the what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.